1: Hello and welcome to this pre-recorded episode of the EC method podcast because technical issues as usual Not ideal. Now, are we gonna are we gonna put this video up on um, Facebook? Or are we just gonna direct them to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, we'll put it up on the group on the VIP EC method group
0: uh-huh. the vi- so The VIPs will get the visual lucky you and everyone else will get the audio, which is going to be fantastic this week because I'm clearly losing my voice. I like it. I like it too. I wish I I always quite, I wish
1: I had a husky voice. Like all the Me time. too. Mm.
0: One of my friends going up called Christina Penatos. Hi Christina, if you're listening, she's not listening, I'm pretty sure. She lives in New York now, but um, she had like the lowest husky voice. I was always so jealous of her, but this is just a result of shouting and cheering at a wedding, so
1: oh okay right first question i'm intrigued by hypertrophy what actually is it i know it's muscle building but how slash why is it different from strength training also with regards to in fact let's just stop there let's take it one part at a time uh okay so let's start with that i know it's i know that it's muscle building but how slash why is it different than strength training (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so hypertrophy training is uh, a way in which you implement um resistance training to uh recruit and uh fire off muscle fibers which essentially you stimulate the muscle fibers the muscle fibers tear they're called micro tears um and then with the right uh kind of nutrition and recovery protocols um ideally that muscle would then heal and in doing so grow larger because it it creates kind of it it basically in order to heal the muscle fibers it will the muscle is then grown um strength training is a different modality of training in that it recruits different energy systems and it's much more power focused so it's much more of a performance sport um and of course with strength training and hypertrophy of course there are huge crossovers you know, if you're lifting in a really kind of powerlifting strength training um, protocol and program, of course you're going to gain muscle, and vice versa. If if you're on a hypertrophy plan, and obviously progressive overload is really important, you keep trying to increase those weights to keep trying to have those micro tears occur and keep keep trying to incus, encourage muscle hypertrophy. Of course, you're going to get stronger, and actually, two, the the two programs can go really well hand in hand. If you hit a plateau in either one of those. Um, Modalities of training. Um, but essentially, they use different energy systems and they require different responses within the, the body and also in the muscle stimulus. And that's why they're
1: different. Emma? Yeah, I think that was a very good uh, synopsis. Uh, even if you look at the definition of both, so like hypertrophy, in essence, like if that's the goal, it would be building as much muscle mass as possible. Whereas strength, as a definition, is the amount of force you can apply to something. So, as Chloe's saying, there's, there's huge crossovers there. And actually, after, once you're quite an experienced lifter, the only real way you're going to get stronger is by building more muscle. Yeah. Whereas when you start out and you're a newbie, you, know, you might see like your, I don't know, the amount of push ups you can do double in a couple of weeks. That's not because you've built that much more muscle. That's because your ability to recruit the muscle that you have and thus the force output you can. Generate from that and your strength has increased but once yeah once you become quite experienced the your only real way to increase strength is to increase muscle mass so they are quite related Uh, so that's the first part of the question the second part is also with regards to rest periods between reps and sets and whether it matters for hypertrophy i only ask this because on giant sets for example weighted lower body where i'm using heavier weights i tend to have an unintentional 30 to one minute rest between exercises um, making a note of reps, changing weights, which oh uh, yeah, sorry when she's changing weights it gets slower especially around 3-4 slash four where I'm getting tired, or oh, especially in rounds 3-4 slash four where I'm getting tired. Is this okay or is it detrimental to the hypertrophy effect? Oh, what a good question, Catherine Catherine <laughs> Catherine
0: um, go on Emma
1: um no, I, I mean, in some ways, having a break between even a giant set is beneficial uh, from the standpoint of if you have a break, you'll probably be able to lift more weight, which means that you have put like a higher volume, total volume of weight lifted on that muscle, which means that potentially it's going to grow bigger. Um, I guess the other side is that and this has been slightly debunked and that people sort of know that volume is really the key here some people might still be sort of under the impression and i think it does have some effect but maybe not as large as we initially thought or at one point we thought anyway that there's um, a metabolic stressor to muscles which will make it grow as well so if you were doing a giant set and say you didn't take much rest between those exercises then you've got these me- metabolic build-up of things like lactic acid um, and that also stimulates growth in, in a muscle which is kind of why we um, have programmed the workouts the way they are. So you've got rest, like longer rest periods at the start with your things like squats and stuff. And then you might have a giant set. As, I term it a finisher. It just so happens it's called a giant set in the app. That's sort of what comes up. But I just see it as like finishing yourself off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Best one, yeah um but like
1: you want to basically leave the gym finished <laughs> satisfied
0: yeah mm, don't we all um yeah look i mean for different again different modalities of training like strength and hypertrophy will require different rest periods and the reason for that is that essentially with hypertrophy as soon as you're recovered as soon as you feel like you you, you know you can lift again because obviously you want to go to muscle fatigue. So you want to get to the point where the second to last rep or the last rep, you are physically inable of doing another rep. And if you don't get to that point, then you're lifting the wrong weight. If you blast way, way past it, the weight's too light for you. Um, in terms of the reps that we set you. And if you're falling way, way short of it, the, the, the weight is too heavy for you. Um, so essentially, if you get to that muscle fatigue, of course, you're going to need a recovery period in order to feel that like you can lift um if if your next set lift um powerfully and lift appropriately in the rep range for your next set um i tend to find with most people this can be anywhere between 30 seconds to two minutes um but really it's as soon as you're recovered i want you to go again it's a different modality of training where strength training is incredibly different as i just said in the previous answer it is going to um It requires different energy systems within the body. It is a power is is a whole different um, kind of uh, physiological response to it than something like endurance, for example. Um, And actually, what you need to do is you need to sit down and you need to be patient and you need to make sure you need to give it at least a few minutes to make sure that you're ready to get up and go again. And yeah, I do think that if you mess around with that in the strength training um, in a strength training program, your training isn't going to be as good as beneficial. With hypertrophy, it's less important. Um, if you're doing weighted lower body, which are the workouts that I write, uh, essentially the main thing that I really want for you guys, and I say this every week, I don't know what weights you have available to you. So the main thing I want you to do is to fatigue the muscle. In an ideal world, I want you to do it in that kind of 6 to 15 rep, uh, 3 to 4 set range in an ideal world. But any, but if if that's not possible for whatever reason, because you're home um anything you can do to fatigue the muscle per set is really really the main thing i want so yes it can it can mess with your training and progression especially if you're talking with something like strength or performance likely not if you're doing it for hypertrophy now it's not that big a deal
1: yeah although as you're saying that i was thinking well first of all any home workouts or like you're saying anything where maybe the weights aren't that heavy we do kind of want you to just go as quickly as possible like i put in rest periods as a guide in home workouts but if you're ready to go, go. Like you, yeah. you want to be dying at the end, basically. And it, one important factor, which we didn't really mention there, is reaching failure. Because otherwise you could argue, oh, well, you know, instead of doing my workout, I just did it throughout the whole day. Like got yeah. up and did like a little bit here and there throughout the whole day. That's not going to mean that your muscles fatigue in the same way. And that fatigue and that reaching failure is also important stimulus for growth and adaptation. Your muscle, like if you think about it as exercise is a stress on your muscle on your body your body wants to adapt so that the next time that stress occurs it can deal with it now if that stress is like really low level throughout the day even if you're building up a lot of volume like for example instead of doing 50 push-ups within a couple of minutes i do them throughout the whole day i'm never reaching anywhere near failure throughout the whole day which means that my muscle hasn't got that stress on it which means my body's probably like well we can handle this very easily there's no need for us to adapt to this, and you don't create that same stimulus for adaptation.
0: Amazing point.
1: Okay, next question. When does physical change start to show? After over over two weeks, I haven't lost a pound yet.
0: I would say if you um, are two weeks in and you haven't lost anything, you need to look at your calorie intake um, by food, and you need to look at your calorie expenditure, Are you hitting your steps? Your knee is non-negotiable, like we always say. And how many workouts a week are you getting in? Because obviously, if if you're new to a plan, first and foremost, you should start to see results. It will slow down, like towards the middle and end of it. It will definitely slow down. You should start to see results um, slightly quicker at first. I mean, to be honest, I don't, but I've got a long, long, long history of dieting and training. Um, Without that, yeah, I tend to find clients will, will respond quickly. If it's been two weeks, you need to look at, calorie intake potentially lower it calorie expenditure are you hitting the steps if not how do we how do we get that to happen can you if you're doing three workouts a week can you add on a fourth um and again as i've said multiple times and will continue to say keep reading the notes on my home workouts the home weighted um not really the, the body weight but the home weighted because i am trying to program a little bit of progression for you guys with the fat loss bowl in case you store. Um, so yeah, I think it's time, I would say it's time to make a change. Um, that being said, this is all, this is, mm, it, there are, uh, what's the word? Exceptions for that rule, but that would be very much to do with you hormonally and what your history really is, especially recent history, but long-term history with dieting and training, more specifically dieting. If you feel like you have some very specific things that might occur to you, um, then tag me, but yeah, I would say make a change.
1: Yeah, I would say it's probably about time to make a change. Like sometimes if I'm writing a post or something about this, I'm always like two to three weeks just because technically like you definitely could mask like genuine fat loss on the scales for longer than two weeks. Like that's not, it's not particularly rare. But also I would expect... I would probably expect the rate of fat loss, depending on who you are and how much fat you have to lose, but the rate of fat loss to still be slightly larger than that. So you might mask some fat loss on the scale, but probably not all of the fat loss on the scale. So I would probably say it's time to make some changes. And, and one thing that I really love about like health and fitness and, and fat loss and improving your general fitness, I guess, is... You really do get out what you put in. Like there isn't many things in life where you will get out what you put in as a guarantee. Mm. Like, you know, you are yeah. always risking things like, Oh, well even when you buy something, like will I actually use this? Like will I get as much out of it as like the investment I'm putting into it or
0: <laughs> it's like will marriage. I,
1: <laughs> like, will I use my degree? Yeah, well even like marriage or relationships, it's true as well. Like are you gonna yeah. get out of this what you put into it? And is it gonna like be long term? But you have so much power over that with your diet and with your exercise. Like, if you exercise hard, you will get fitter. Like, there's no denying it. If you're in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. There is no way around that. And if anyone, like, says there is, like, there isn't. That's that's why people starve. Because if you don't take yeah. in enough energy, then you'll have to use up the stored energy that you have. And when that runs out, <coughs> that you starve. So I guess my point is, at least... Like, that's how, I don't know, I think I find that comforting because you put in more work, you will get more results. As long as you put the work in in the right places. And that's what we show you how to do. Um, But more, I guess more generally, like, I put a post up about this this week. um, Really simple way to look at weight loss is if it didn't come on overnight, then it's not going to come off overnight. And if it did come off on overnight, then it's not fat like then it's something else. Like there's no way it could possibly be that. So if you wake up after the weekend and you're four pounds heavier, that's not fat. That's like food volume, water retention, et cetera. You get back on track and that will normalize. Whereas if you're expecting like overnight, you've lost all the weight that you've been putting on for the last 10 years, like that's not going to happen either. So that's like quite a good and pragmatic way to look about weight and weight fluctuations. Yes, preach, preach. Okay, next question. I was doing so well until week two on Thursday. Uh, I noticed changing in my it changes in my body, in my food habits, etc. But then I went camping on Friday until Monday. I didn't see a vegetable the whole time. I tried to track my intake. I took protein powder and some oats for breakfast, grenade bars, etc. cetera, that had the inevitable extra alcohol, easy food, pizza, eggs, bread. Nothing wrong with eggs and bread. Um, no, quote unquote, healthy meals. Didn't manage any workouts, but did do my steps in two runs. How do I, uh, now I need to get myself back on track. I feel like I've lost four days' help. First of all, it's only been four days, and you went for a run and got all your steps in. You can still get all your workouts in this week um yeah i, I
0: agree i like i'm like look you the fact you kept your expenditure up which is great so like box two boxes picked there you did your knee and you had your workout, so that's great like that will mitigate any quote-unquote damage that might have been done um and that's that's a really good comfort you should feel like you you ticked some boxes that were non-negotiable so well done you look we know that it's really hard for everybody to kind of have the the kind of break from reality that we get when we go away for a weekend or we go on holiday, but actually to stay on track with the diet, it's a really hard um, thing to nail. And it took me years and I'm pretty good at it now, but my God, did I make a lot of mistakes on route? And now I'm great with it. Ultimately, really, like, as Emma said, like, there's nothing wrong with eggs and bread. Eggs um, and protein, great. Protein rice, great. Great snacking. You had like a pizza here or something naughty there and you went a bit over on alcohol for four days. We can probably, you know, we can probably get you back on track and swerve any major damage there. Um, And and again, with tracking as well, I mean, I hope that you're tracking. um, But with tracking, like, you should be able, hopefully you you might be able to read that holiday hacks file again next time before you go. Look at your MyFitnessPal and figure out how you can pull it off next time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I don't think it's a disaster. I just think you need to get back on track. Yeah, I agree. Okay, next question. Um, I struggle with eating so many eggs as I try to avoid fake processed foods like protein powders. Um, okay, well. <laughs> uh, I th- okay, first of all, I really don't like the... I mean, everything's processed now. Everything. Literally everything. Like, and, and also processing isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think it's that there's a still a huge like natural fallacy as in the claim to nature was anything that's natural is good. Like you look at, um, a little granola bar and it's like all naturally made. And like, there's no sugar in this. Yeah. Cause it's just honey. Like it's a bar yeah. of fricking honey. Like doesn't mean it's good for you. In fact, the calories in it are going to be ridiculous, but you think because it says natural on it, that's better for you than some like processed protein bar or something. The other point about whey protein is it is literally milk with the fat taken out of it and some mm-hmm. of the KC, like it, it's, yeah, there's some processing involved in it, there's also processing involved in milk, obviously but it's not like some made up food or something like, you've just taken the fat out of milk basically and now you're left with the protein part. I, um, I, yeah
0: I, I love this because I think it, it gives us an opportunity to make a really good point here processed whey protein powder is one of the best sources of protein dietary protein you can put in your body Fact, it just is it is fast digesting it does the trick it is a complete protein source it is in terms of behavioral and nutritional it, it, it ticks all the boxes not that you don't have to have it if you don't want it it's absolutely fine but looking at foods and being like oh it's processed that is a very um, Big problem in the dieting industry and a very misunderstood, uh, a very misunderstood kind of stance to take. They're really, if, if you, we want people to get good whole foods in their diet: fruit, veg, you know, great sources of fatty fish, um, great sources of whole grains. Like we, we really want you to have that because yes, it is nutritionally hugely beneficial. And actually, if it's something is nutritionally beneficial and you have like quite serious physique goals probably going to do your body better and your results better but every now and again in throughout the day you will be having processed food even if you don't realize it and actually sometimes throughout the day the better option is the processed option and in this case it would be whey protein so um, i would probably let go of that stigma if you can
1: yeah I, it's actually a huge problem isn't it and and yeah, on the, huge. i mean sometimes it's just people being like oh that's the process and like not really like having the knowledge to know that most of the food they eat is processed and it's not hugely restricted to them but then on the like extreme end it's orthorexia where it you're is, scared like, yeah. of eating certain foods and and like that's obviously not a healthy thing so yeah. yeah we really want to get away from labeling foods not just as good or bad but as like natural or processed healthy or unhealthy yeah. exactly yeah there is a room
0: there's room for evidence which is a giant spectrum so obviously if you're like living off kfc And, you know, buckets of Fanta and Toblerones. Like, obviously, that's bullshit. We don't want that. Are those your three
1: favourite things? Yeah, in this
0: case, that's all I want today. Um, But at the same time, if all you're eating is, you know, spinach and chicken. That's also nutritionally really unhealthy and mentally really unhealthy. And also... Yeah, it's more the mental
1: side, isn't it? Like, so addictive and... But you bet that people could be... Really,
0: ha- look at vegans. Okay, so a lot of vegans, and I don't mean people who do it for a moral or ethical reason. So I'm not talking to you, and please sh- shut off if, if that is you. But people, just not you, but people who are doing it for dietary health reasons are likely going to be deficient in a very good handful of vitamins and minerals so then have to supplement it um and honestly like it's it's so funny that the vegan movement has taken over as being like this healthy organic natural like first of all a lot of vegan substitute foods are the most processed foods that you're going to be able to find so that's not necessarily true at all um and second of all um you're get, by cutting out so much uh varied uh, variants of food in your diet you're going to become deficient um and then you have to supplement it which is also a process like all well, supplements are processed, and actually sometimes you need supplements so yeah it, it, it is a rabbit hole of shit which we do not need to go down so yeah <laughs>
1: i'll stop okay there. so i think we've covered that question um <laughs> the most important to achieve daily calories slash protein steps or workouts i'm managing three workouts a week i've had a weekend away and a couple of birthdays during the week which have thrown me despite saving some calories midweek i've lost three pounds so far but i'm um but usually gain but usually my weight gain is much quicker i think she means weight loss um what should i be aiming for each week Okay, so in terms of weight loss each week, like,
0: yeah,
1: textbook weight loss is one pound a week. And that sort of comes from this notion that you will create about a 500 calorie deficit a day, one pound of fat equates to 3,500 calories. Ergo, you lose one pound of um, fat a week, and that's quite a good rate of fat loss. Now, just to cover my bases, like that isn't completely exactly what happens, um for various reasons but even partly because you don't lose purely fat like you will lose some lean tissue as well and and we know that especially at the start of your diet you're losing a lot of weight in water as opposed to weight and fat but anyway three pounds in two weeks is a very good rate of weight loss I wouldn't say you need to change anything there um I kind of hate when people ask what's more important like steps or workouts or calories or Well, I guess calories or protein is quite easy because if fat loss is your main goal, then you need to hit your calories. Like that's number one. However, when people like that, oh, okay, this doesn't really matter if they hit my protein. No, no, I'm not saying like it's one or the other. You need to do both. If at the end of the day, one day, because you've not planned properly, you've not hit your protein goal, don't overeat to hit your protein goal because you've gone over your calories to do so. Like that doesn't make any sense if fat loss is your goal, but Equally, you shouldn't end up in that position more than a couple of times. Like, that shouldn't happen because you've planned. And same yeah. with, like, your steps or or your workouts. Like, they are four different things. So you can't compare them. Like, it's, yeah, that they are not comparable. Yeah, I love it that you, you're
0: of that opinion. It's sort of, yeah. Well, okay, first, the first thing I would say is exactly what Emma said. It depends on the goal. What's the goal? So, if you say to me, like, my goal is to, like, gain, like, a lot of muscle in the next few months, go into a fat loss phase subsequently and have an amazing physique. Obviously, the main thing that I really want you to hit is training. Softly? Well, um, swiftly followed by protein, okay? normally. <laughs> uh, and, and that that's for the hypertrophy goal. Uh, same goes for, like, strength and performance. You know, the main thing I really want you to hit is your training, swiftly followed by your recovery. If it's fat loss, the main thing that you need to be aware of is you need to be in a negative energy balance. So calories in and expenditure. So you could pick one or the other, but ideally for obvious reasons, you would have a nice little balance of both. And that's the main thing. Um, but it's kind of like saying, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I want to to extreme. My two dogs are in a house fire. Which one should I say? It's like <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something worse, I softened it with dogs, but...
1: Yeah, um, I can imagine what would. Yeah,
0: but just, but it, it's a bit like, uh, well, uh, 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 it's hard, yeah. like it's really, they're all really important for different reasons. Protein is hugely important for your physique results, your recovery, your satiety, your ability to be in your deficit, your ability to get the physique results you want at the end of it, calories in, calories out, calories is hugely important to every goal, but obviously fat, obviously calories are really important. Train I mean, it's, so it's a never-ending like melting pot. And that sometimes you'll tick, you know, four out of the five boxes. Some days you'll tick three out of the five, and sometimes you'll tick five out of the five. But it should never be a case of what can I give up today. You should always be trying to hit all of them.
1: Yeah, agreed. Okay, hold on, I'm just trying to find. <laughs> so
0: articulate today.
1: <laughs> you're you're always articulate. Okay, next question. I know you have mentioned that, aside from protein, you are not fussed about the split between fats and carbs. Is there a guideline on how many grams of carbs you should be eating each day, generally? Someone's know. not been listening to the podcast! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh! That was amazing, I'm this little lean
1: in man. <laughs> I love that. I think, um, like, we did cover this last week, but I guess we didn't actually mention carbs, but as a side like so basically if you are looking for a guideline look at having about one gram per kilogram of body weight of fat now when you've got your your protein and your fat target whatever's left that is your carbohydrate target so in terms of calories what you would do and this sounds complicated but it's not you would be like okay i weigh 70 kilograms that means i need 70 grams of fat I times that by nine. That gives me how many calories from fat I'm having. I'm having a hundred grams of protein. There's, so you times it by nine because for every one gram of fat, there's nine calories. When you've got hundred grams of protein, you times that by four because for every one gram of protein, there is four calories. That gives you your calories from protein. You add those together and you take it away from your total calorie target. And then whatever's left, that's how many calories you have for carbohydrates. You divide that by four. This is actually quite a long sum, isn't it? Yeah, because after anyone get this far, did anyone? Like a... did anyone... No, uh... Anyway, you divide that by four. four. That's how many calories are in a gram of carbohydrate. Bam! You've got your grams of carbohydrate. And how easy was that? <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: babe, you made it sound so easy to everyone that hasn't been doing this for ten years. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, look, guys, um, it, okay, in terms of behaviorally, here's a really good tip. Um, <laughs> someone put this on the group before because I always say this. This is a behavior tip, but it's not it's not science. You know, it's not it's an equation tip. Um, a really good way to do it is obviously protein and veg or fruit. It's a sweet meal like Greek yogurt or protein powder, um, fruit. If it's a savory meal, veg, protein, veg, or fruit, staples every meal throughout the day. A really good trick um so you get that kind of nailed is around your workouts pre and post workout get your carbs in just a small amount of carbs a handful of rice a handful of pests, something like that and the only reason i say that is because it's it's, it's your body's preferred source of energy so it's going to result in a good training session um, and also glycogen is stored in the muscle pulls on water hydrates the muscles so it's a good thing to have post-training for recovery then the rest of the day replace those carbohydrates with fats now when people just say, like, I'm going to do the, 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 that, it, it's all ridiculous. But in terms of behaviorally and learning to track and learning to hit your numbers and learning to be nutritionally minded and performance and recovery minded, it's a really easy formula to follow. And you'll find within a day or two, you can figure out exactly what hits your numbers and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no, you know, specific, you need to be having 200 grams of carbs every day to gain muscle. No, it doesn't work like that um but i love emma's point you know i always work on like a, like a two grams of protein per um one kg of lean body mass that's your body mass without the fat if you don't know it, go on your goal weight one gram of fat uh per kg of lean body mass again go on your goal weight uh everything else will be made up uh, all of your other calories will be made up by carbohydrates you're in a deficit the carbohydrates would be the thing that i typically will bring down it's easy it's doable it's fine and if you come back up into hypertrophy the carbohydrates would be typically the things that i bring up um and those are just some like blanket rules but that's why that if i hope if you digest those blanket rules we it doesn't we don't need to get specific with numbers Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean that i think it was good to go through that because that's what we would do if we were giving you numbers but the point is it's like you would end up eating the same thing every day because it's really hard to hit those numbers consistently and we want you to have variety in your diet because that's a huge part of not just adherence and flexibility like true flexibility because if it fits your macros dieting which would be us giving you a carbohydrate a protein and a fat target is not flexible like is, I know people call it flexible dieting. That is not flexible. Whereas having a protein target and a calorie target, that is pretty flexible. You can hit that and you can enjoy other foods. You can save up some calories for other days. If we gave you specific macros, then you can't really save those calories for the next day because you wouldn't have hit your macros that day. So yeah, that's, that's sort of why we do it. But then that's also an explanation of how you would if you were going to, which you're not. <laughs> hit your, hit your exact macros. Um, okay, next question. Is there an optimal body fat percentage for bulking as a female? Oh, that's a good question.
0: That is a good question actually. I don't like bulking though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't like the word bulking. Mainly because it'll put 99% of females off ever <laughs> trying to build muscle.
0: But also because it's completely like you think bulking. It's like it's like uh, typically in the bodybuilding world, that just means that eating yourself fat to gain muscle, which is just ridiculous. And then using a, it as a an excuse by
1: saying, "But I was bulking."
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Emma, what do you think? I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this optimal um, body fat percentage for muscle gain. Should we just, can we just change bulking to muscle muscle gain yeah. to being be like, building- happy, healthy?
1: yeah for building muscle so i'm not going to use a specific percentage mainly because nobody knows what percentage they are anyway but i would like people to stay relatively lean for various reasons number one from like a psychological perspective and i know because i've done this a million times if you just jump into like what would be termed bulking or a huge surplus and you put on a load of body fat all i want to do after six weeks is diet again and then you get nowhere yeah. because muscle takes time to build and it doesn't yeah. matter how many calories you throw at it. That will not increase the rate that you build muscle at. So there's going to be a cap to how quickly you can build muscle. So why chuck more and more, more, and more calories at it? Yeah. Like there's a sort of law of diminishing returns there. So I would be in a, in a definitely in a surplus, um, but not, I would probably like, I mean, it's hard to say how lean and you can't even say things like, so for me, it would be having faint ab outlines, but for some people that would be a very low body fat percentage, whereas Mm -hmm. I have quite a long torso. So I get abs quite quickly, but like my arms and legs get fat quite quickly. So it just depends where you store fat. So you can't even really use that as a guide, but I would, yeah, one for sort of comfort from a psychological perspective, because if you get uncomfortable and you put on a load of body fat, you won't want to stay there um and two like in terms of that from a physiological perspective like you become less sensitive you become less sensitive to anabolic signals which will help you build muscle so staying relatively lean is, is quite important and you could even do it like i think i used to do it as if i couldn't do six chin ups i was too heavy and i think I, that's so funny yeah like sometimes that's like mm, yeah because I mean, and that works quite well as well, because if I was building strength properly, I should be Im- improving that anyway yeah. to some extent. So it's a nice balance between your strength compared to your body weight, not just your strength. And that's always been quite important to me. Like absolute strength doesn't really interest me personally. Like I don't no, want neither. the biggest deadlift or the biggest squat or bench in the world. Like, I don't really care about that, but I've always really enjoyed being strong compared to my weight. So being able to do a hell of a lot of pull ups, being able to like bench press my body weight for reps, being able to like, I mean, I could never squat or deadlift heavy because my back, but those sort of things are like, that's targets that I enjoy working towards. So I think that helps as well. And I think that you're never going to be like storing too much body fat if you can still do like X amount of chin ups.
0: I think that's a really good point. And I love that you made um, that goal, performance goal. Um, Okay, so this is, again, so subjective. This is why when clients are asking me, like, how much weight do you want me? It's so subjective. So typically this is how I will do it with each specific client. And every specific client is completely and utterly different. Completely. A bit like Emma said, she's got a different. Shape. Emma, Emma's body could not be more different from my body. Like we are shaped completely differently. So therefore, when we gain weight or when we get lean, we look. The whole trajectory is different. Um, maybe the maybe the end of both of those spectrums would be the same, but the journey in between is going to look very different for both of us. Um, and that's genetic. So we can. I can say as much as I want. Like I was at a wedding this weekend. Some of the girls at this wedding do not train, do not diet. They are shredded. Some of the guys at this wedding, like uh, in the gym, habitually are watching what they eat habitually and they are curvy women. It is so genetic, okay? So typically what I'll do is I'll get a client to where they want to go in terms of fat loss, right? Right off the bat. And where, that's where we know where their lean weight is. And it's very unlikely, as Amy said, that you're gonna know your accurate body fat percentage, but typically very lean is gonna be kind of in the teens um you know kind of healthy lean is going to be in the 20s um and then kind of as you get up into those high 20s that's when you start to talk about women who have maybe a slightly higher body fat percentage however
1: just oh, yes, and- i want to jump in on this just quickly because this is another thing that gets thrown around is like so much yeah if you are below <laughs> x body fat percentage you will have hormonal problems like you're not a healthy woman or if you are above x like that has a huge genetic component and that's something that needs to be very carefully spoken Mm -hmm. about because I know people I know girls and like I've been very lean and still had normal hormonal function and and then I have also had clients who have not been very lean and have had hormonal like dysfunction Dysfunction. yeah and part of that's to do with leptin levels and we know that that's genetic because we know that the FTO gene relates to leptin levels as well so it could be that you have lower leptin levels basically telling your body that there isn't much energy available when there still is quite a lot of energy available and vice versa you could have like habitually slightly higher leptin levels yeah and even when you're very lean your body's like oh no we've still got enough energy going around so that's an important point to make anyway sorry continue no no it's
0: such a good important point and perfect point, perfect time to jump in again all roads lead to it's genetic, yeah. you're all different, it's subjective. Now, when I say typically, I'm like typically, but that doesn't mean always. I mean, it's like, mm, I can give you number. Emma's right, you know, I've been so lean before and I've had all my bloods gone out of interest. I will, I tick every hormonal box with a 10 out of 10 more, like I'm fine. But obviously, you know, people like Hayley Madigan, who we had on? You know she she got lean, and actually, I think part of it is when people stay lean for really long periods of time as well, which people don't talk about. Um, if you're staying at like crazy, if you're staying at a low body fat, which isn't genetically comfortable for you and your body, for a very, very, very long period of
1: time, you'll probably have some hormonal issues, which will probably be completely reversible,
0: right? That's
1: it. yeah um, and then on the point of them being reversible that takes time as well because i've worked with clients who were too lean came out of that and like no it's not the body fat thing i think it's something else because i'm st- you know now i have a high body fat percentage i'm like it's been three months like it could take a whole year it's staying and, and not then dieting down again two years. yeah it can take time so you need to put on the body fat and then maintain the body fat
0: yeah. Okay. So, 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 so we'll get them to a level where we know that they're lean. And again, again, we don't always, we don't usually tend to know the body fat percentage. Most people do it wrong. And there's only really, there's only a couple of very specific, accurate ways to do it. Which you pay for it's expensive. And people can't be it. It's fine. So we will go on their way. And then typically, what I'll do is I will slowly start to add, say, like ten percent uh, to calories every week or every two weeks. Do it nice and slow. Um, which is typically going to be somewhere between 100 and 200 uh, calories uh, additionally every week. Obviously, when this happens, the scales are going to start to climb up. Now, every couple of weeks, I will then get the clients send me photos so I can see what they're looking like when they, when they were very lean, what their weight was, what they're looking like now at, this, at the new weight and at the new calorie intake, and I'll monitor them. And when I get to a point where I see that they have a nice, hormonally healthy, physically healthy, perfectly acceptable level of body fat and they're gaining muscle, which actually is quite hard to tell anyway, because obviously when you're not lean, you can't really see that definition. But you know, obviously Emma and I have been doing this for a long time, so you get good at knowing what you're looking for. That's when I'll leave them stable. And some of those clients will hit 1900 calories and never go beyond it. Some of them will go up to 2500. I mean, it's so genetic, it's so specific. Mm. And every single one of them at that point would have a different body fat percentage. So it's really hard to tell. It's important to watch yourself Be very subjective watching yourself as you go and monitor yourself. You'll know if you're getting fat as fuck and that's when you need to call it. You know, a lot of it is, you know, common sense.
1: Yeah. And a point on like, it it is really hard to know if you've built muscle, especially when you're still like, when it's under a layer of body fat, which it should be if you're trying to build. And one way to do that, especially is like this sort of circles back to the first question is measuring your strength. Because after a certain period of time, like we were saying, if you are increasing the amount of weight you can lift, then you're building muscle. Yeah. Because it's less to do with technique or muscle recruitment. It's about it's more to more directly related to hypertrophy. Okay, right. Are you ready for the next question? Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've been a pretty avid gym goer for five years now. And for a girl my size, I'm five foot two and 68.6 kilograms. I was able to deadlift 80 kilograms and do overhead presses or snatch of 40 slash 45 kilograms. Brilliant. I'm just wondering if my my body would become accustomed enough to these regular gym visits that I might require more of a calorie deficit to see a real change. My body seems to get lean on my arms and legs real quick, but loves to stay wobbly in the middle. Not sure if this makes sense, but as always, I'd thank you for any advice you can give. Thank you guys very much.
0: Oh She's bit-
1: welcome.
0: you're welcome for us not answering your question quite yet. <laughs> Is she basically saying she wants to know if her body will have adapted to her training stimulus, making it harder for her to shift body fat and potentially meaning she'll need more of a calorie? To-
1: so That's exactly what she's saying, Chloe. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you
1: so much. <laughs> um, I'm here till Thursday
0: trying the veal. Ugh, reveal. Um, okay, so... It is true to say that your body does adapt to continuous uh, training stimulus. This is also known as muscle memory. Um, it is true to say that... Um, However, while that is accurate, if you are in a calorie deficit, is when you are eating less calories via food, then your body needs to maintain its current state um, with your training and your, and your steps and everything, uh, you are going to lose body fat. Clearly, like me, your midsection is your genetically very stubborn area. And what that means is, it's likely gonna be the last to go because A, you hold more fat there, so it's gonna take longer, and B, genetically, the body likes small fat there, so it's going to be a, a douchebag about it. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, look. Um, are, those are the main rules. The only thing I would say to someone with a fat loss goal is, say if, they're, say if they're doing, they've been on 1,500 calories for a period of, of months and, and they're losing and then, and they've been doing kind of 20 minutes of, of incline walking on the treadmill for these two months, and they're losing, and it starts to slow down, and we lower calories, and nothing really happens. Before increasing that 20 minutes of cardio, I might say to them, change the cardio machine, simply because, and let's see for two weeks, and we'll just see what happens. Simply because, if your body has to force itself to learn a new modality of training, but this is this doesn't really apply to like lifting and snatching. It's a different thing. It's like quite specific to like a fat loss long added cardio. Um if your body needs to kind of learn a new skill physically, it is likely to expend slight, slightly more, and I do mean fractionally more calories doing so. So it's a good idea You're to You're looking maybe... for
1: the word efficiency.
0: Efficiency, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Emma. Love it. Segues on in with her with her Oxford <laughs> dictionary brain. Um it. it... I'm saying before we have to do something like lower those 1,500 calories or increase those 20 minutes of cardio to 30, why don't we try and see what other negotiables we can play with in between first? Because obviously, you know, it's, it's annoying when you have to lower calories and or increase cardio. Why don't we just try these things? And a lot of the time, we do see a very temporary nice little shift. Um, but no, ultimately, that loss comes down to calories. Emma? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things. So I actually think the fact that you are obviously strong and have a decent amount of muscle mass means that it's kind of easier to diet. Now this is slightly blown out of proportion because you will have a slightly higher basal metabolic rate because you have more muscle mass. Unfortunately, that's not to the extent that like a lot of people will claim or kind of that I wish it was, but it will be slightly higher. And what you don't really become adapted to is like a calorie deficit. Like you will still lose weight obviously in a calorie deficit. I, the other thing is you're not massively overweight. So it might be slightly slower than what you are expecting. I don't know what calories you're on. So it's a little bit hard to say. Um, But it wouldn't be, I guess, like, it wouldn't be because you are an experienced gym goer that it's harder to lose weight. That's what I would say.
0: And certainly not in the modality that you quote, like... If I clean that yeah. snatch, you know, 40kg every day, am I less likely to lose fat in a fat loss phase? It's like no, because that's not that's not that training anyway. Like, so the like, two things are kind of different things. If that makes sense, like, I don't
1: know,
0: I don't know what I'm trying to say. I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> don't know how to articulate it.
1: Later. Are you ready for the next one?
0: Yeah, babe, I'm so ready. <laughs>
1: okay, here it comes. <laughs> I have lost a couple of oz this week ounces is that what that means yeah anyway however i think this uh week would be my period week i have the coil so i don't have any periods at all just recognize the other signs sore boobs tiredness etc just wondering if i should leave another week before possibly lowering calories or just see just to see if it's hormonal weight i'm holding on to um, I would say yes.
0: I would say yes. I would say I I love this. I love this for so many reasons. I love that you are monitoring your body and even though you're not menstruating, because I presume she's on the hormonal coil. Um I love that you know, even without having to actually come on your period that this might be when your body wants to have it cycle. Um so I always know because
1: I'm just like the grumpiest. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm a total bitch, like, the week before my period, I swear to God, like, James breathes, and I'm like, whew, I have to, like, I can't. it's just so ironic, I'm the most annoying person in the world, yet, yeah, and yet, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll kill you. <laughs> um, I, so I love that you know your body, and yet, I would say, look, if you're going to get this heart and getting on the scales when you you know it's likely it, it should be your cycle or is your cycle, and you're going to have a complete meltdown, which we likely will when we're on, <laughs> um, don't go near them give it, honestly, give it, and give it some really good breathing room. You stick to your non-negotiables, stick to your the calories, your steps, your workouts, and don't even look at the scales, and you stick to those non-negotiables until you're ready to go again, and then we reassess the yes. I think it's a great question.
1: Yeah, great question. And also, I think that she seems to have quite a good relationship with the scales, where she's like, yeah. actually, it might be hormonal weight gain. Should I just yeah. wait and be consistent? And I think the hardest thing is... Being consistent when you don't see results because you're like, oh, is it even working? But it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Trust the process.
0: Yeah. So just don't gamble that. Don't gamble your adherence because when you know that those scales might fuck it up, just.
1: Um, I'm just trying to find the next. I have a question with single leg <laughs> hip thrusts or single leg limb exercises if the instruction is to exhaust the muscle should i do more on the stronger side because i can start on the weaker side and replicate the number or reps on the stronger side
0: no we've talked about this before guys emma and i don't want you we all have a weaker side and we all have a a side that uh aesthetically looks better and or worse than the other side um, so look, yes, of course, it's a really good question. Like, well, I'm weaker here, so should I do more reps? Should I do less reps or whatever? Increase the weight, decrease the weight. The reason why we don't want you to do that is because unless it's an isolated uh, movement, like for example uh, preacher curls, right, which those like bent put over and you it's a bicep curl, that's a very isolated movement. You're really only hitting your bicep there. Um, And I don't think any of you are going to be doing very many isolated movements in our programs anyway, because they really are for specific, they're programs for specific people for specific reasons. Of course, you might have a few in there, but anyway, essentially what I'm saying is most of the lifts are compound lifts, which means that they recruit a lot of different muscles in your body. Okay. And if you start messing around with one side, going heavier or doing more reps or whatever, it's going to have a domino effect on the rest of your body and you might start to find that other things then fall out of sync. And so generally speaking, the general rule of thumb is no, you just
1: train your body evenly and yeah, don't mess around with it. Agreed. Okay. We're going to do this one and then one more. And I just think I know what your answer to this one might be, but anyway, it's my birthday week. Yay. And then I'm going on a short holiday double Yay. I feel like this is a bit of a danger zone for maintaining the EC method. I will plan. I love planning. I will track and I am also going to enjoy some treats and not deny myself some celebratory drinks. Any words of wisdom, any hints and tips beyond tracking and planning and obs not going insane with gobbling food and booze is very welcome. Should I work out more, I'm doing five days a week or do more knee averaging... To, uh, twelve thousand a day, twelve thousand steps a day, or just enjoy my birthday and holiday without going crazy, and then crack on.
0: Read the holiday hack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Chloe's written a whole bloody book on this.
0: I've written everything from like staying active, steps, swimming, moving, when to train, how many days to train ideally if you're going away for a week, like when to. Not care when mm. to step, step away from panicking about it because you're on holiday and you need to relax. How to kind of plan before you go in terms of putting your alcohol intake that you're likely to have every day in the snack section. What are you likely to have at breakfast? Chicken salad for lunch, a, a, you know, scrambled eggs on toast for breakfast, a, a Phillips bacon and, and roasted veg for dinner. I mean, literally, that like, it is all in the fire. <laughs>
1: the files which by the way are all on the website, the website. <laughs> um the one thing i will add on this is it's re- like I said, it's it's your choice you can either stay really on track and do you know what still enjoy yourself like just because you're eating slightly less calories does not mean that you're like oh my god i can't live my life like you can stay on track and still have the best time away And the best holiday, like if your whole enjoyment of occasions is around eating and drinking, then you're missing out on a lot of things. So even just thinking of it like that, like, actually, this is quite a cool challenge to see if I can enjoy all these things without going in excess, enjoying a little bit of what I want, but actually sticking to my calories and my protein target and getting my steps in and getting some workouts in. So don't think in your head, I think a lot of people are like, well, I can either enjoy myself or just restrict myself for the whole holiday. No, you can stay on track and get brilliant results. Or you could say, yeah, do you know what? I am going to eat a little bit more over the next couple of days. I am, I'm not going to do my steps. I'm not going to do some workouts. That's fine. And get straight back on track when you get back. The truth is you won't get as good results. Like that's, as I was saying before, like you will Health and fitness is fair. You will get out what you put in, and if you decide you want to go and sort of like enjoy your holiday and you don't want to track and you don't want to um, do your workouts, etc., that's fine as well. It's not like we're shaming you into doing anything. Like that's absolutely fine. Get straight back on track when you get back. You will still have amazing eight-week results if you take four or five days, even a week off to, for your holiday, as long as you don't go crazy. But realistically. Yeah. Like we're not going to bullshit you. Yeah, your results won't be as good if you don't stick to the plan.
0: I will actually also say one tip. I don't. I don't know if I put this in the holiday hat style. Let me think. I don't know if I did or if I talked about it on a live. I can't remember which one. But I found. Um, when I go on holiday and I don't – okay, so when I, have a, when I go on holiday and I have a very clear fat loss goal in, say, five weeks' time, like a date I've got to make, I'm, I'm on it. Like, I get up, I get my workout done, or if I, 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 stick to my, I stick to my calories and macros, if I can squeeze in a treat, I'll squeeze in. Like, I'm not anal about food choices, but I'm very much on track. If I'm in a fat loss phase and the goal is quite far off or I'm doing it for more kind of just vanity reasons, like I want to lose some fat, Actually, a lot of the time I stop tracking and I just make smart decisions. And what that does is it's a psychological trick. I sit down at breakfast, lunch and dinner, and I'm like protein and veg, protein and veg, protein and veg, and maybe a glass of wine with lunch and dinner, right? Or like a cocktail in the evening before bed. I'm very, very um, instinctive and smart and informed about what I'm doing. But instead of tracking and realizing that I've gone over 100 calories the day before or 150 the day before that. Throwing myself into the fuck it bucket because I'm like, well, it doesn't matter now because two days in a row, I've got 150 calories in my, I'll just eat everything. And it does happen. Like, especially for mental people like me, it happens. Instead of doing that, I don't even know. All I know is that I'm being smart, I'm training, I'm active, I'm, I'm choosing the right foods, I'm good. And actually, that's a really good trick. If you're likely to be like, oh my God, just don't track, just be smart. Every time you sit down to order food, think with Emma and I in in your mind.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes I lose weight on holiday, just because it's a different routine. Often you're walking a lot more, it's hot, mm-hmm. so you're not mega hungry. Yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes just taking the pressure off a bit, being like, yeah, well, I'll just go with the flow a little bit, but I'll make good choices, and I'm not going to like actively go out my way to find the fifth ice cream of the day.
0: Well, I couldn't
1: eat that many ice creams. I I love ice cream, but like it's sickly. Like I get to a point where
0: I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry.
1: You get to a point where what? No no no, no. <laughs> no, 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 Right. Okay. We've been chatting for an hour now, so I think that we can do the rest of the questions on tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right, and Emma and I are working on a guest for Friday, so I will try and book that in.
1: now Yeah. I won't say who it is because it's very exciting, and then we might not get them
0: yeah and but he's very he's very specialised in a few specialist fields so Ooh, it'll, special. it'll be grand